Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello to anyone listening. Um, I'm kind of awkward right this second because I didn't really set up a place to record audio so yet. Um, I guess I'm working on it. And I'm sitting in the garage surrounded by all the stuff. And uh, I had to lay back because or sit closer to the edge because there's a giant mirror in front of me and I don't want to be staring at myself while I'm talking um, it was a weird week and it made me think of something there's a really good video and I don't want to start this with some um, let's all be better and let's uh, see the world differently kind of Uh, spin but um, the video is called the story of the Chinese farmer I believe and um, if I have the time I'll try to post a video below this but if not um, I believe if you just type that in the uh, old Chinese farmer story it's uh, and I thought it was Alan Watt I don't remember and the dogs decide to play again I don't remember exactly uh, who is reading it but it, it's this okay so the story is if I remember correctly okay the they lose a horse so it leaves the farm the horse leaves the farm and um, the neighbors come to the farmer and they tell him the that it's too bad right that the that you lost the horse and he replies maybe so then um the other the next day the horse brings a couple wild horses with him and now it became a good thing so the neighbors come by and say well isn't that such a great thing that happened and he says maybe you could see where this is going so the uh next day his son is riding one of the horses and falls off it in the process of taming it or something and gets uh, his leg broken so he's bedridden and the neighbors come by and they say oh that's too bad isn't it and he says maybe and the next day of course it, it's always like a chain to teach you this but it says uh the next day uh, the uh whatever the emperor's assistant came by to pick up people to fight a war And his son was denied because of his injury. And so they say, uh, what a, what great news, say the neighbors. And he still says, maybe. So then it kind of pans up. And then you get your little daddy lesson from whoever it was that read that. But um, I think that that concept is such a good concept. And... I had to realize that I was on the wrong side of that to an extent. I I was kind of stressed out because uh, something went wrong at work and it was uh, it was my fault. 
And so I, I'm thinking, oh man, this is the situation where you don't want to be. Um, and I'm not, I'm kind of speaking in code because I don't know if this is even, if it matters or anything. But I find out after that, uh, rather than get, uh, is it reprimanded? Rather than get in trouble that I broke something, um, it turned out to be a good thing because that uh, customer wasn't, I guess, in good standings with the company or, or something of the sort. And I realized, you know what? I, I think that in it, it's going to ha- sound hippie again. <laughs> Every time I'm, I, I'm ready to go hippie, I try to warn you guys. Um, and maybe this is going to be one of those. But I, I thought to myself, this must be what they're always talking about when they're saying destroy the ego and everything. And I, I've attempted a couple of psychedelics and they've taught me some. Um, and even that, I, I don't know for a fact that it's really there. It might just be you're messed up on some chemicals and then you come up with stories and you try to justify everything or teach yourself something. Nonetheless, I think for myself, I feel that the experiences that I had. Oh, jeez. Okay, I don't remember where I was. Um. Okay, so ego. And I think that there is something to that. If It's almost like there's a, a explanation. I don't know really where this comes from, but it's uh, saying that anything that's fear, it, it's either fear or love, uh, I believe. The, the, those are the two main roots of all emotions. So anything that's... Um, fear-based is ego-based and anything that's uh, love-based is the soul or or whatever. <laughs> I guess I have dogs that play the drums. And, and so you need to stay on one side, obviously. And I think that there's something to that because if you notice a lot of times when you fall into an argument... And the argument gets into the point where it's just attacking the person. It's just that hominem. It's, it's somebody took it personal. So then they are just stuck in this loop of putting up personal things uh, to the argument and not anything that that is relevant to what's trying to be resolved. Um, I hope I'm being clear. But... Uh, a lot of times if, if you really were or or maybe even this when you tell the person to objectify the view meaning to separate any emotion out of it to look at it from a different angle and just look at it as uh, as events as just facts and not really putting faces on who's on what side and it resolves things easier Um, Or you could even do the opposite and tell the person to put themselves in your shoes and that'll give them a different perspective and understand how, if it is a simple misunderstanding, how something like that could happen. Um, I don't know why I stumbled, but I I wanted to start this uh, podcast saying that I I did owe 10 minutes to you guys uh, from the last show that I had to end quick, but show 
uh, talk podcast. Now I'm like thinking there's uh, spiders in the corners of this this garage and I should watch the dogs as I'm doing this. Um, but so I, I think that uh, sometimes and, and this is this is going to sound a little grim, but it, it's really just looking at things for what they are. And it, it sounds very dark, but I, I think that we might be looking at it that way for whatever reason. Um, maybe, I, I don't know, we can analyze it after, but, um, so what this, this video made me think and, uh, or realize, and I, I, I've thought of things like this before, but it, sometimes you just get bogged down. You get stuck in emotion and, and feeling and, uh, I don't know, insecurities or fears and, um, you just fall into like a how would you say like a loop um ah man I, I really hope I'm coming clear okay so so I don't I, I'm guessing that it's a human thing obviously to think that we matter um I, I mean when you look at it from the giant scope of things um, I, I was hearing Joe Rogan talk about a place that he went hunting and he was, uh, they were hiking almost the whole day and, and they realized that if something were to happen out there and let's say one of them was injured and they couldn't, uh, walk, they were pretty much screwed and no one would even know that they were out there, that it's just so nature dense and there's just no people around for, who knows how how many miles and uh, that's kind of a good perspective if you think about how what one human means to everything else even as far as space we worry we we're stressed out from work and and I don't know and anything that that we're really stuck on stuck on on cycles that prevent us from just enjoying life and doing things that we want to do and just making every day worth it but I guess those traps are are not really avoidable but just like I, I, I'm reading this book on anxiety I am knowing more and more people that have anxiety and um to an extent, I, I think that, well, I, I know that I felt it it must not have been as strong unless my logic is, is what kind of numbed it. Um, but I did have that feeling of, of fear, of, of dread and of, I don't know, just uh, it, it's just like a cycle of worries and the worries stack up on top of other worries and it just you just start running that in your head and it just it just keeps building kind of like a snowball like in the cartoons where they roll it down the hill and it keeps getting bigger i don't know if that really works um i should research that um and so <laughs> i'm thinking would that be a, a worthwhile blog post to write um but 
so I, I'm reading and it, a lot of anxiety, what it's saying is the majority of the time, the people that get anxiety and so far it's been 100% for me, the people that I know that have anxiety are generally people that are nice. It's not the person that you're afraid of walking up to and saying hello. It's the person that's just has a great smile every day and just always looks like they're happy to be there. Those are the people that uh, that I, I guess they care so much of what people think about them. And I'm not saying in in, in a conceited way. I mean it more in the sense that they are more considerate of other people. And if you think about that, it doesn't, it's not in a selfish way because you're, you're realizing and trying to figure out what things you can possibly do to annoy the other person and you're avoiding those. So th these types of people are, are so nice and so thoughtful that they're always thinking, they're always trying to make people comfortable and, and feel good. And so all these worries and, and panics and, and just fears of failing at, at being a nice person, they build up. And so I, I guess it, it would be something like a yin yang, all, all that energy is converted to something like an anxiety attack. Uh, there was a. Uh, uh, once I'm done with the book fully, I'll uh, do an audio more uh, directly related to anxiety and everything that I learned on that. But it seems that a lot of it, you can talk yourself down because just like. I guess there there's other situations. Okay, so. So. The anxieties you can almost always uh, talk yourself out of, and that's uh, a couple of the one the I guess the methods that I was reading about. Um, a couple of them actually had similar solutions, where what you have to do is rather than than be afraid of it, and I to an extent what anxiety is the fear of fear. So you're worrying so much of being in the state of fear that even though you're not in that state of fear, you're fearing that that experience so much that you put yourself in this anxiety attack. And one of the things that it said on the book was follow it to uh, let your brain uh, I guess follow that path, that path of fear. So there's the yellow brick road. Dorothy needs to get there and, and she's afraid to be there. But I, I guess maybe the other guys are telling her, why are you so afraid? And she says, well, it could be anything there. And then they say, okay, how about uh, let's take a couple steps. Let's, let's keep getting closer. You see it off in the distance. Okay. Let's get a little closer. So far, nothing's happening. Right. And, Ultimately, when you get there, you realize, hey, this is not that much different than uh, everything else. Uh, and uh, this ties into what I was thinking about also in the grand scope of things. We're so insignificant, but we have an ego that tells us that we do matter and that we make a difference when it, we might not. Well, we're, we're not making that much of a difference, but 
what am I trying to say? I, I'm saying that 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 uh, that difference. Okay, let me go back to the um, the anxiety. Once you get there, once you realize what the moment, the experience that you're avoiding is, you, uh, I, I guess you stand there and you realize, <clears throat> you know what, it's not that big a deal. Um, and it had some sort of example where it said, I felt something funny on my leg earlier. And then, oh my God, what if it's cancer? And it just that, oh, what if I go to the doctor and the doctor says this and then I have to get tests and eventually my legs like my leg has to get cut off and then my girlfriend will leave me and at that point is when you realize what am I worrying about and that same perspective is the same as the story of the farmer and just thinking that that the, that events are made I, I guess tailored to you and they're not everything that's happening around us uh, for the most part, of course, there's a lot that we control, but there's a lot of things that are beyond anyone's control. And those things are are events that are taking place, whether you're there or not. Um, and so we think to ourselves that things happen, that it, it's almost like the old Greek belief in the gods where the uh, gods were actual gods that uh, interacted with humans that you saw uh, what is it a Apollo you saw the chariot the fiery chariot go up in the sky every day and, and go back down you knew that uh, if something bad happened to you Hades cursed you or, or your god was angry and they're punishing you because they interacted with you and then it, it kind of shifted and I, I think that it was a necessary shift even though I'm more along the lines of belief that a lot of the um, new religions are, are manufactured, that they're more a system of control than it is a, a system of uh, an ancient text that was suppressed. I, I, I don't believe it's the, it's the case. But in the new evolved ones, the ones that we have today, gods do not interact. And I, I think that it's because we as humans were probably evolving and realizing that life is a little more complicated than us just giving characters to things and saying that uh i don't know that that the that there's an eclipse because one god is fighting with the other god we needed something a little more concrete than that and i maybe it's just studying nature and realizing that nature's consistent and there's um I, not not to say there's purpose, but there's uh, a process that everything goes through and, and has gone through um, without breaking its own rules. And uh, and so. So. Um, so, yeah, so anxiety um, is a state of being afraid to ever get to that place, but then when you really think about it at any moment you are avoiding death everything that happens around you there's a lot of things that could happen that could kill you on the spot it's almost as if there's a million bullets flying at 
at you throughout your life and you just happen to be dodging every single one of them until your time is up and then that that's it um <laughs> i i think that 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 sounds a little grim too uh because the i think it was fight club in fight club uh chuck palanak wrote that uh, the every person's life expectancy eventually drops to zero. It's just a matter of time before we all die. Nobody's immortal. Um, and his stuff is pretty dark and uh, grim. Um, I just finished re-listening to Survivor. And man, is that one dark. There's so many elements there. There's uh, almost like a conspiracy thing. There's definitely like a cult and um, slavery. Okay, I might get interrupted in a bit, but um, yeah. So anxiety, the so yeah, that was one of the methods that it had. Uh, follow the fear and just stand there and and realize it. Um, but. It, if you're kind of a, would that be like a logic-based person? I'm not sure, but if you're the type to really think and realize the reality of the situation without, I guess, almost like being objective even about yourself, then you realize that, uh, <laughs> here I go making it dark again, but uh, you realize that uh, everything dies and there's no it's almost like you're not special <laughs> um, man I, I just cannot avoid it from uh, sounding that dark but um, there's a lot of dangers around you all the time and standing there and just constantly watching your back and it, it's almost like the uh, I, I guess like comedians do that a lot where they're kind of like turning fast and trying to see if somebody's behind them and just constantly doing that. If you think about yourself as somebody that's walking, somebody that's trying to get somewhere and you're constantly doing that and you're flipping around and looking to see if there's somebody behind you and you just constantly do that and you're like, you know what, I got to get to this, I don't know, movie or this dinner or whatever it is that you're trying to go, but you keep doing that you're never going to get there. And I think that to an extent, um, apart from hurting your own body and livelihood, there's, uh, the, I guess there's a care, a part of carelessness that we need to kind of make ourselves sane because just worrying constantly that, Oh my God is such and such. Okay. Oh my God, could this happen? And, a lot of the times it's not 100% guaranteed that your fear is not going to happen. The It's just that the percentage of it happening, the possibility, is really very minuscule because uh, every single person that's out there has lived their exact age so far not dying from all the events that could have killed them. Um for some reason that makes me think of when doctors tell you well if you didn't show up here uh i don't know an hour later if if you had shown up one hour late 
later than you did, you would have been dead right now. And it's always funny that, that doctors can really say that. Um, I mean, you, as far as I know, there, there's not even a way to do that with computers where you say, you know what, if you had not sent that email before this hard drive burnt up or whatever, the processor or whatever, just something got damaged, that email might not have gone through. <laughs> but somehow doctors, because they have that magical lab coat, and I also watched an episode of, I mean, I listened to an episode of Radio Lab, and it probably was related to the placebo effect. I'm just so fascinated by the placebo effect. Um, I, I constantly enjoy reading and learning more about it. But um, so one of the things was that they, to an extent, they admit that they know that the lab coat is something magical that to have that confidence and almost like walk in and and fake that you're 100% calm because if the doctor came in and and just said and it, just picture yourself as a patient doctor comes in he looks at your your little um what is it binder at the end of the bed looks at it flips through some pages looks at you with really bulging out open eyes um, and then looks down kind of uh, uncomfortable down at the paper and starts sweating and then uh, says uh, you're going to be okay um, <laughs> person that's imagining this and walks out of the room quickly you'd probably freak out and give yourself a heart attack and so they're on the other end of it knowing that if they walk in with the confidence and tell the patient, you know what, you're going to be fine. Take these and, and uh, all we're waiting on is for your levels of such and such to get better. Then that gives the patient the confidence and realization that, hey, it's not so bad after all. And uh, I guess to an extent where it could even benefit the patient where as long as they know that everything's going to be fine, their body starts to heal itself. And I'm not talking about the, what is it, the what the bleep and that all that craziness that um, some of it's, it's making me think actually, but I'm still on the fence of, about something so wild like that. It, it just seems like made up, um, made up reality. Um, and, and I know that there's the, that, that, experiment with the you know what I shouldn't even get into explaining it but uh, there's a crack podcast where they explain it somewhat well um, okay so uh, yeah the placebo effect the doctors with the lab coat um, okay I'm, I'm retracing what I was saying um, so the the idea that the doctor can come in and say and I know that <clears throat> I, I think it was something to do with how the body breaks down. The forensic uh, specialist can tell when they were killed, what killed them, and everything. I, I guess the, the way that the body starts to fall apart, you can see that process and figure it out. But to say that it, it's almost like a history, and the one that I'm not sure of is uh, the heart one. Because I don't, I don't know how to. Um, I'll probably end up researching this later. But 
how would they know hey did you know you had a mild heart attack seven weeks ago and three hours uh it just doesn't kind of make sense to me but um i i don't know i just i it just makes me laugh when a doctor says uh you brought him just in time uh it's kind of funny that they can <laughs> it, man i i'm not trying to make fun of the profession but it's very often and i'm sure it it's even for my field as well when i can't figure out why the elevator's not working properly i have to i don't know i i have to say you know what i i'm not sure why it's still doing this i've attempted these things and it's still not working um like sometimes the I, I guess the circuitry causes when something burns out it causes the elevator to do or anything any kind of circuit that that's how you can trace it and figure out what component went bad on it but um i forget what i was getting to that uh oh that's what it was the uh, the profession of a doctor to an extent is really just guesswork. It's having the doctor sitting in his office with his little stethoscope around his neck, his glasses reading a medical journal, and then, okay, your patient is here. Okay, send him to the room. And then the doctor comes in and says, oh, how do you feel? Oh, you don't say, uh, what other symptoms are you feeling? And then... Uh, I don't know, uh, let me check your temperature, your whatever, all the things that he does, like like anything, like the mechanic checking all the fluids and making sure everything's in order. Um, any any kind of field, you're gathering the information to try to figure it out, right? But I feel like it's more often than not that they really don't know. And not only that, but they will attempt a medication that has side effects as far as i know every single medication that you can buy has side effects um well by by its very nature it would have to because uh, what a medicine is is a substance that you're taking in to try to create some sort of reaction so you're altering your body's um, response or behavior and so they don't know you go back there and you're you're like you know what doctor you said that this is a really great medication for such and such yet it didn't work the doctor will quickly be able to recommend you something stronger a little different made by someone else if something went wrong with it they would recommend um I don't know uh, what's it called um not synthetic <clears throat> what's it called when you whatever but th there's uh the official grade and and named medication and th there's the the bootleg one so to speak the the one that's uh, pretty much the exact same thing but when people react to one they might not on the other and and the doctor knows that the doc doctor knows that he 
although he's seen that symptom many times, it could still be a number of things. And so if the patients, and, and I guess it turns into this when you don't have enough critical thinkers that are really trying to figure out to its root what causes things to happen, then you're stuck. And not only that, but we all, every single one of us, uh, if you're listening to this, you're struggling with time and trying to trying to figure what is most efficient to use your time on, what you want to use your time uh, here on earth uh, on. You you don't want to waste time and everything. It, it, I mean, it's it seems like it's the one thing that's a commodity. Makes me think of that that movie with uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, In Time, where it's kind of like a dystopia and there's it's all about resources and everything. And so they have uh, on their wrist a thing that lights up and tells them how much time they have to live. And it's almost like currency. So when you work, you use up your time to buy a coffee or to do anything you want. But um, uh, and I I think it was um, it was something Mark said, also that regardless of how rich you are, how fit you are, or anything, everybody has the same time. There or no, not everybody has twenty four hours in one day. And uh, like I was saying on the, the other audios, I hate, uh, well, it, it, it's, it saddens me that a lot of time is wasted on technology. And um, I was also, I want to think if I'm going away from what I was trying to talk about. Um distractions uh i i it was two audios ago maybe um actually distractions um yeah we're all fighting for our own um okay i i'm gonna have to um how would you say go on a tangent real quick because on the last audio I talked about the Avengers 2 movie which was pretty enjoyable if you like that kind of thing then this is one of the good ones but I I, I remembered in it I was kicking myself because I forgot to mention one thing there's an ongoing gag in the movie and uh, I, I'm not going to spoil anything if you're planning to see it but Captain America at the beginning of the movie corrects someone I I don't know exactly who it was but somebody said hell or or some it wasn't i don't believe that it was a that bad of a word but they're all wearing little bluetooth like they're preparing everybody to be cool and do that kind of thing but they all have their their little wireless bluetooths in their ear and he says the other guy says something and Captain America says language like he corrects the guy and says like, hey, watch your watch your mouth. And so there's an ongoing gag the whole movie where he's embarrassed constantly of saying that he says, oh, man, this is going to this is going to take a while to live, live it up, live, live past it. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? And uh, 
And so the whole movie, uh, somebody else gets told and he says, geez, you told him too? And then it's constant, constant. And then all the way towards the end when he is talking to the big boss, when he's talking to the Nick Fury, the, the uh, is it Denzel? No, what's his name? Sa- Samuel Jackson. How racist was that? Um, I just went to the first black guy I thought of. Um, so with Samuel L. Jackson, he says something and he says it and I, I, he wasn't cursing either, but he used a word that was kind of a little vulgar. And so uh, Nick Fury says, wow, you kiss your mom with that mouth? And it was a, a point of, how would you say, it, it was uh, a good thing. It, it's something that the audience is happy about that finally he... It was something that he was struggling throughout the movie, and he realized, and he, and, and that's it. He, um, he learned. He's better at the end of the movie for this. And what kind of message does that tell the little three-year-old that wears his Iron Man suit everywhere and <laughs> tells begs his parents to take him, and then he sees that, or I don't know, the Captain America. Why didn't? Why did I start with Captain America? The kid, okay, he's has everything Captain America. This little three-year-old has patches and shoes and everything. And, oh, yeah, I, want, I like Captain America. Has a lot of toys. Goes to see this movie. And then wh- how, how, what kind of, I, I mean, you know what kind of message, but how weird is it that that child is being taught something like that where it's like you should be careless, uh, and it, little things like that always make me think that is that why we're the way we are in America as opposed to other countries where I, I'm always talking about Japan, how they have pride. If they are street sweepers, then they're the best street sweepers that they can be. And they put a, love, a lot of heart and love into their work and they proudly wear a uniform um, I also mentioned in the past how um, there was even riots when they didn't have enough uniforms for, I, I don't know if it was government employees or like public uh, workers, but they just flipped out. They're knocking over fences and they're protesting to their government because, um, and not only that, but there's, uh, I think there's a Japanorama about this. So if you search this, um, it's the the episode should be called uniforms, but they have actual professionals that design uniforms. Um, like the guy is famous; he's like a celebrity, and they talk about, "Hey, did you hear this? The I don't know the city street workers. That sounds like hookers. No, the 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 I don't know the trash man." That the trash man's getting a new uniform? Oh, wow, really cool. Who's designing it? Oh, it's the famous blah, blah, blah. Whoa, and they, and people will get excited that, uh, like, they're on the news. And they're, I'm, that that documentary showed the details it. But could it be that that's why we don't, um, we don't, we are the way we are? Because I, I think that the, media does have a very strong influence on how we are um, it goes down to something as stupid and simple as like um, 
like old movies or anything, any kind of movie where there's a catchphrase, you'll hear anyone from, uh, of, co of course, if they're fans of the thing, you'll see anyone from a small child to, I don't know, to a grown adult uh, repeat the lines and behave and try to be funny because everybody in the theater laughed at this thing. And it's kind of no different than like in a school setting when the troublemaker kid does something and even though he's getting in trouble, the whole class busted out laughing. And at that point, the teachers lost control. And so the only thing she can do is just send him out of the class and say, everybody settle down because it was a victory. And regardless of what the teacher does and what the teacher says, uh, he's he or he or she has been outstaged. They got the best reaction out of the room, and I guess that it's a nature thing about us that we always want to fit in. Uh, of course, for survival, but it's a big deal when everybody laughs or everybody's on one person's side. Um, and uh, you see it everywhere from uh, I don't know, like businessmen talking to like uh like the uh, <laughs> like like ignorant people like people that are constantly saying something and even though you're the one talking to them they keep looking to their sides and they make a comment some sort of statement a, a, a zinger uh colloquialism um they want to just say something, uh, get a reaction from everybody around, and then, uh, the, then the discussion isn't serious because it's an easy way to lose. It's, uh, it's almost like the, the other ignorant side of the masculine guy that as the moment that there's a disagreement with someone else, they want to throw punches. They want to take it outside. And it, it it's, I, I think it all stems down to trying to fit in and the fear that w was instilled in us that it was something that uh, today it, today generally I, I mean if you live in the city then you could be uh, to yourself you can be a recluse but back then it meant survival if you didn't know how to hunt but you knew how to build a pretty nice hut and then you tell everybody to f themselves and leave the tribe you're gonna struggle in hunting and so with that giant group that you had you had one guy taking care of the hunting the other guy is helping you with the tents and the other guy worries about the water and all of them working together will survive the winter and you out in your little hut with nothing to eat is not going to make it. And I think so those people started going away. And it might sound a little Darwinian, but I think that it's possible. Um, I, I read an article, I think it was on Maxim Magazine a while back, where it says that, uh, and it, maybe it's contradicting this to an extent, but uh, still interesting, that the people that sacrifice themselves to save other people are still... Uh, existing today that for whatever reason if you think about it like how I was talking about the tribe the person that goes out of the group and dies uh, I guess all those they're the jerks the jerks will not be a part of the tribe 
So they get sent out. Some of them make it. Most of them don't. And it's just bred out of humanity. Well, this is saying that if that theory is correct, then we shouldn't have heroes. We should have everyone that's just doing things that they do to survive. And that's how humanity would have morphed into because that's how we have lived according to that. But when an event happens where somebody's in trouble, there is a certain amount of people that will risk their own lives for a complete stranger. Because I'm not talking about family or someone you love or somebody you have an attachment to. Um, although to an extent, I guess it would make you think in that way regardless because if it's a boy you're thinking well I don't want my boy to be in trouble and for somebody to just stand there and not do something but even when those people let's say it's life-threatening let's say that there's a decision there and you realize if I go out there I'm probably not going to come back then that type of person should not exist because if they were right then they died and they didn't produce offspring and so it just keeps narrowing more and more and humanity no longer has that trait but we still have people that are born that way man i guess they went a little hippie also um i'm also reading this book right now on oh and i'm really excited because i i went to a secondhand store in long beach And I found this book called Exploring Madness, Experience, Theory, and Research. And so this is like a book on, I believe that I even even said something about entheogens. Oh, you know what? I I was thinking of doing one of these audios on, uh, on Disneyland. And I was going to read something by uh, Simulacra Simulation about uh, theme parks. Um, But I'll I'll fish it out. And once I'm a little more organized, I'll fish it out. And maybe I can just read the whole thing, uh, the part on theme parks, because it it was really fascinating. Um, Just as a tease, the uh, main premise is that a theme park is somewhere where you have an agreement of what what's natural around you or what's normal Uh, because if you think about it I mean apart from a prank if you saw a giant person dressed as a giant Mickey Mouse or I mean pick your character if you saw that if you saw a guy uh, I don't know acting in full character walking down the street with no cameras pointed at him you would think like uh, what's going on here you'd look twice for a camera or something yet in Disneyland once you walk those doors, you are under the understanding that Mickey Mouse might walk up next to you and, and take a picture with your child. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for this experience that they're saying, okay, everybody around you, you're going to see and we're going to do this for you. That's what you're paying for. And that's the experience. And then one other thing that um, I said I'm not going to talk about it and then I'm going to talk about it. But last thing... In Disneyland, when you're standing in any of the lands, if you look in most directions, you won't be able to see the land next to it. And I have uh, some elevators that are 
it's actually a couple minutes from there but it's not that far i i once or twice now i i got off the freeway and i just took the street straight through from one of my elevators to and uh crossing through disney and it, it's a big place but it's really not that big when you really look at it um you can probably google earth it or whatever but um for the experience that you get i mean because a lot of that well there's a couple parking structures there's the i mean the tram has to go through this whole parking thing to get you to the front door but when you look at the actual park itself and you think back to the experiences that you had it's almost like it's a lot bigger in your mind and there's tricks to it with the architecture at the beginning and um you zigzagging and worming your way through these different lands uh, but it works it it makes it feel like you're in five different theme parks when it's just one place with a bunch of different decorations and different <coughs> environments <coughs> um, so this book it says uh, to those who introduce us to altered states of consciousness and taught us how to live with things that go bump in the night um, and I'm excited because I think this is going to cover, um, I, I mean, it's almost like the, well, exploring madness. It's like at the edge of insanity. What, what, what is it like to go through different realities and experiences and, um, psychedelics, I guess. <clears throat> um, but the, the other book that I'm currently researching and I, I'm gonna, actually try this um it's a diet on <laughs> diet um it always sounds weird to to say that you're on a diet or you're thinking of going on a diet or you're reading about one but uh i don't know this guy seems legit it's called the seven principles of fat burning uh get healthy lose weight and keep it off by eric berg so this guy, Dr. Berg, um, is explaining a lot of the reasons why we're overweight and we're suffering and we're not living healthy lives. And it's interesting because, um, of course, he's not he sells things. He does have supplements and things like that. But um, if, if you wanted to go on the actual diet and I'll, I'll probably explain i'll make an audio just explaining um the diet itself and whether it's working or not but um some of the things well he's not promoting uh get on these medications and do this and but a lot of the things that he says they do coincide with things that i've read um as far as uh eggs eggs being high in cholesterol um he was and i know i wrote that one down oh i know where it is it's on my other notepad here okay watch me drop something all right um okay so eggs they're always when i when i was growing up in the 80s um it was always talked about in um it was always talked about in uh, on TV, on magazines. You constantly heard about the dangers of high cholesterol. Don't eat eggs. 
Uh, and then sometime in the 90s, there was campaigns that were... That's when around when, I guess, foods started having lobbies where they can create ads. Because I, I remember how weird it was to see the real California cheese or... Uh, what was the other one? Uh, California cow. I guess those are all California ads. Um, let me think. What other one? The eggs. There was one. Oh, there's where's the beef lady? Uh, that's nationwide, I think. But that's when they were. They you realize that these things were products. That when you go to the store and you buy milk, you're not buying from the local farmer down the street. That it's a giant corporation that makes milk go from cows to all the f processing and then <clears throat> down to your little plastic jug um, but eggs had commercial saying like oh we're, we were wrong about eggs and then there I think there was a guy like hugging the egg and um, being friends and apologizing or something but um, so the doctor here Berg on his book says that eggs have lecithin and lecithin is basically the rival to cholesterol so not only will you get will you not get high cholesterol from eating a lot of eggs <clears throat> which I, I've written about in the past I think there's an old man that would eat I, I think it was something like 50 or 30 something eggs a day for most of his life and he's his cholesterol is not high at all but um but yeah that you're with most things and that's why it's so scary when you're on medication that with most things what you take in is not necessarily what you're getting uh almost everything that you consume is converted and changed into something else so uh, I'm learning a lot from this book about hormones and I want to research some more and again time time that's always the thing I, I want to learn Japanese I want to read that book I want to uh, read this other exploring madness book I want to watch documentaries I want to uh, uncover things and, and uh, learn more and more but I just don't have the time um, I have the amount of time that I have and I got to sprinkle it lightly on uh, a lot of the things that I enjoy and then on things that I need to do um, but yeah so the hormones that there's a lot to do with hormones and they're very uh, they're quite complicated um, like for example if you're fat it's not because and th this is another thing he said um if you're fat, it's not necessarily that you've been eating fat. It probably means that you've been eating a lot of sugar. And uh, one of the things that he really enforces is that... So one of the things that he constantly says is that uh, if you want to lose weight, you need to limit your sugar. Um, when you're talking about fruit sugars, he recommends those closer to night. Something about if you're consuming them in the daytime, they're spiking up your insulin and then uh, you get all this energy, but then you crash shortly after. Um, he talks about coffee. And I recently heard also that if you have a lot of 
uh, little floaties in your eye. You know, it, when you move your eye to one direction, you just see a little trail, a little blur of something. If you have a lot of those, that uh, quitting coffee can clear them. So I'm going to slowly start to wean myself off of coffee and maybe try that for a week or two and see if that's true. But uh, Or maybe I can connect it with this diet when I started. I, I quit coffee. Because where I am at now, I'm I'm an addict to coffee because on some days, if I don't drink coffee, I'll actually get a headache. So I, I feel a little lousy. Yeah, so um, so when you're taking in, uh, let me see, protein, it, you we shouldn't be eating too much. And I've heard that before. It's uh, something, and I'm just going to go uh, a little more on this book um, I want to compile it all a little neater and maybe I'll write I'll write about it and um, get it all organized for you, for anyone um, but so it's bad for you when your sugar levels your blood sugar spikes up or when it drops down when it spikes up the body starts to produce crazy amounts of insulin um, uh, I guess, well, on top of that, it, it's really bad if it spikes up due to carbohydrates, uh, things that are processed and refined. So like white wheat and pastas, breads, all those, they're, uh, they're going to be converted into sugar and then your insulin will spike and try to get all that sugar out of there and into some muscles or some fat. And so uh, if you're sugar levels went up too high it's almost like the the guy that's checking that there's enough uh insulin is saying hey there's no more convert some more convert convert some more our levels aren't dropping and so it's constantly doing that and one of the things that it said on here is that insulin uh slows down the processing of sugar and so uh your blood sugar stays high now, I thought I was under the impression that that was a good thing. And it, it gets a little complicated when it comes to fruits because um, that has to do with uh, if there's fiber in a f- certain uh, ratio with a fruit, then the fiber will slow the sugar spike so it won't be as harmful. So I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not positive but i i guess that because their sugar levels are low it, it's not that big a deal and then when it's massive where the body's just redlining trying to produce as much insulin as possible that's when you're stressing out the the is it the thyroid the um, and the uh, pancreas is struggling and everything's just smoking hot because it just can't figure out why this sugar won't go away um so just going through that constantly is slowly going to start messing you up till things start shutting down till belts start squeaking and snap and the motor no longer turns and you got what they call diabetes and now you have to inject that stuff because your body doesn't use it or uh, doesn't produce it and that's connected to the uh, diabetes book that I read also where uh, insulin think of insulin as buses the uh, buses uh, this insulin this hormone uh, called insulin 
is uh, fat storing and fat making hormone. And so it's very effective. So when you have all that insulin, uh, it quickly, uh, I guess because it's so dangerous to have your sugar high, the body just says, okay, pushes the insulin button and a ton of it just drops into your blood. And then they're like, okay, boys, get this sugar out of here. And and if there's so much that it just can't do it or if it slows down, it's like the, the station never got the, the call. And they look out their window and they're like, whoa, geez, why didn't anybody let us know? Hey, call the tower. We need some insulin in here. Um, but now the sugar's been rampant, going crazy all over the place. So they're kind of behind. And I, I guess that would be the effect of what fiber with insulin would do. And the, I guess the I don't know if it's the difference between what type. Because I, I know it's pretty bad for you when it's bread and pasta. I, I've heard of people getting rid of their diabetes, not personally, but uh, online and things, where all they did to get rid of their diabetes was just eat more vegetables and eat absolutely no bread at all. No bread, no pasta. Um, but again, it's something that's been programmed in all of us. Even me, it kind of worries me that if I go on this diet and I crave some spaghetti or uh, I crave I don't know some um, what are those called raviolis then um, I'm I'm kind of out of luck I'm going to have to wait and it's hard it's hard because if you've been programmed to enjoy a glass of milk with some cookies then you when you see those cookies you're like you're i don't know you're somewhere else and you're holding a cookie in your hand and you're like you know what would make this cookie a little bit better and you just think about that milk um is, is it because cookies with milk are delicious or is it because you've been programmed and it becomes natural to uh get those two together kind of like with uh when you watch tv and you eat it makes you eat more because you're getting the pleasure of getting your eyes busy and distracted while you're feeding your face. And so um, if the if whatever's happening on the screen, you're eating more and more and you're trying to extend that meal or whatever happens. But people that watch TV while they're eating tend to eat more uh, is what the study shows. Um, and there's my girl. Okay, uh, we're at a little bit over an hour. Okay, so I, I could start wrapping up. Um, the thing was that 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 what you want to do is trigger the hormones that burn fat and not the triggers that store fat. Uh, and whenever sugar's there, everything gets bypassed and you just store fat because you you could store very little sugar so you you don't burn it off you use um that sugar and you turn it into fat right away um and if you don't have sugar then when the body realizes that it needs some energy it uh it actually starts grabbing all the uh fat that's around because fat is energy and then uh on top of all that it probably got a little noisier because I have the garage door open now. My girl's got the dogs and uh, her brother has some friends over. So I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll give you guys those 10 minutes. Um, we're at 10, 103. Um, 
Okay, so then you get into things like uh, potassium, that you need um, potassium, uh, and insulin lowers the potassium. Um, and potassium, potassium lowers insulin and holds protein in the muscles. So that there's, um, I guess, certain um, scenarios where the person and it's uh, one of the four body types that this doctor describes in his book. Uh, you can see those on on uh, YouTube also. Just go look at Doctor Berg and body type or something like that. And there's a series of questions that it tells you. And uh, this is kind of why my girlfriend got into it because she was watching his videos. And he was saying things like uh, the a lot of people come to me about losing weight. And uh, and, and I know, I know, don't don't uh, be aware that he does sell supplements. He sells uh, formulas that give you the nutrition that you might need um, off or on his diet. But uh, so far, his book doesn't really push and say that you have to buy his product. Uh, it teaches you a, a healthy lifestyle and, and diet. And while you learn about all the processes of what the body does. And um, uh, that's one of the things that I really wish that I had more time to research because, I, I mean, everybody's got one. We need to figure out how to keep them healthy and how to run them the, to their max potential so that we can enjoy our lives and not worry about being in a hospital bed or uh, popping open a medicine cap uh, every day. Um but uh, so if you look up the different body types, my girlfriend was, uh, I guess, answering the questionnaire or, or listening to the audio. And uh, she found the body type that uh, she was and it described and it said, do you get these symptoms? And it was almost exactly. Uh, I mean, there's something there. He's understanding something about the body. And so uh, he explains that. First, you have to do this uh, detox diet for your liver to enhance the liver and to make it um, clean so that it's ready to process. And uh, also, while doing that, you're burning off fat because you need, uh, or not burning, uh, you're releasing a lot of the water weight if that's really what you have. And apparently, if it's, uh, if it's water weight, you can lose it very rapidly. If you... Uh, I believe that it's there's this number uh, if I have it set up next time where I can talk and type at the same time I'll uh, research things like this but um, it, it's something like a couple pounds every week that you can lose uh, of muscle of, of uh, fat sorry um, and so whenever you hear people like oh dude I lost 30 pounds in two weeks or in a week a lot of that is water weight and water weight is fine to drop uh, rapidly with uh, fat you can't just take fat out of the body like uh, uh, people joke around and say oh I wish I could just rip this this fat off my belly this love handle but you'd probably go into shock when they do liposuction they can't pull out something like 12 pounds or something like that at a time. So if you need to lose 300 pounds, 
you're going to be put under that many times because if they do too much, your body goes into shock. It's almost like it realizes that something's missing. And you would think that, too, because if you had a giant warehouse of batteries and then all of a sudden a truckload of batteries is missing, you would freak out, too. You'd be like, oh, crap, what if we need these batteries? Who took these? And that's kind of what the body does. It realizes that there's this energy that was stored as fat. And all of a sudden, I don't know, 20 pounds of it is missing. So it realizes like, oh, my God, what's happening? Did we lose a limb? Are we healthy? Are we dying? And um, it could kill you. So if it's fat, it, there's only a, there's a rare, very small amount that you can lose. But if it's water weight, you can lose a whole ton of it. And I, I think that's what the UFC fighters do also. They get to a proper weight and then they dehydrate themselves so that they can make weight. And then they hydrate again. They even do like IVs and crazy stuff like that. Um, but so the, uh, the salt, he also emphasizes on this uh, how salt how important it is and I don't know let me see when he wrote this book because he doesn't cover um, gluten which to a, to an extent I feel that it might be an exaggeration uh, I don't know that if I mean unless the person is really allergic to that chemical 2006 yeah so 2006 I don't know if uh, it was talked about back then so openly as it is today but um i don't know to be honest if it, there's that much difference I, there's a pizza chain out here there's two one's pyology the other one is uh and i knew i was gonna forget one of the two pyology and um uh jeez pyology Oh, and, and Pizza Rev. I had to pause it for a second to think. Um, and they both have options of getting gluten-free crust. And so at the beginning, if you tell them what type of bread you want, just tell them gluten, gluten-free. And they'll say, is it, uh, they'll ask you if it's for medical reasons that you want gluten-free or is it just preference? And if you say for medical reasons, they change out their gloves, they use a new tray, they make sure that none of the wheat from the, non-gluten-free is touching the the gluten-free and they go through a whole process and they make sure that nobody uses or touches it with the other stuff but unless you're that person that that gets swollen joints or whatever it, it's supposed to cause and everything unless you're you really have that reaction where if you eat a little bit of bread today you know you're going to pay for it the next couple of days then you're probably okay and it's not going to make that much difference i got the two i got gluten-free and i got the regular and I, there's a difference in taste i gotta admit but other than that i don't know that i feel any different um it's probably something that's not really that healthy for you anyway so um but I, I don't notice that like it ruins my bowels or anything like that. I, it's not that much of a difference. While I do uh, believe that bread is probably not really something you should be consuming much. Okay, I had to answer that phone call. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to compile this information a little better and I'm going to actually try it. I'm going to go on this as well. And uh, one of the, he, he pushes flax oil a lot. So I, I'm going to research that and see if, because I do remember uh, flax seed and it's good for omega-3s. That's, I, I'm taking some of that. So if he's recommending it, um, maybe because of, uh, or if there's dangers because of the grain itself, then maybe I'll uh, go from the, um, the husk or whatever it's called that that's grounded down to something with um, just the oil and see if that's healthy but if if not flax oil I'm just going to stick with MCT but uh, so I, I might modify it a little but oh and uh, real quick um, I have still been um, cooking for my dogs as a matter of fact I probably got to go to the grocery store tomorrow or the day after but uh, so far so good my uh the one we share custody with the chihuahua uh he's usually with my parents but they're out of town he's been here the whole time and uh i noticed that the gas has gone away for him um not to say that they don't get it but uh when we give them hot dogs that's one thing that i have noticed a lot or uh ham the one that you buy in the packages and all that stuff i know it has all the chemicals and colors and all that uh, stuff that's not good for you but i can notice like they they're farting a lot and they smell and their poop is really bad but when they're eating the healthy food which is uh and i'll 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 do a post and i'll give exactly how i cook it and everything it's not that hard it's really just um ground chicken cauliflower uh sometimes broccoli peas carrots and sometimes when I feed them, I give them some grass-fed butter. I, I'm, I'm still on the fence about uh, that, but it tastes delicious, and they love it. They go crazy for it. Um, so just as a little treat, I throw in some butter in there sometimes, um, and, and actual little flakes of it so that they can taste it as they're eating their food. Um, but yeah, pretty much just all that. You cook the meat, and then um, uh, brown rice, which I, I, I need to jump back on the computer and, and double check that because uh, nutritionally I remember it saying that brown rice was good but uh, it's a little difficult to digest sometimes uh, at least when you're sick so I, I'm still going to try to figure out if I was right about that or if I need to modify it but so far I've done brown rice uh, lentils to give them iron and I don't do the lentils all, all the time or black beans just occasionally uh, the black beans need a lot of cooking, so uh, you got to throw those in almost right when the meat is uh, cooked and then start adding all the other vegetables. But uh, the one of the dogs was sick and we had to do some blood work on them and they were 100% on their iron and all their levels and everything was healthy. So I, I'm doing something right uh, so far and they're not too stinky they're uh, they don't when they poop especially the the boston terrier when he poops he would smell a lot uh, when we did just packaged food and dry food and everything but now it's it's rarely that uh, i mean he could be pooping feet from you and you won't even smell it um, he could probably poop on your shoe and the only way you wouldn't know is because your foot was warm i'm kidding um but yeah, so less farts, uh, less stinkier poop, 
and uh, the Boston Terrier also has a really nice coat and I don't know if that's the butter or uh, he's always bugging me for coconut oil I have it by my computer and uh, if I'm on the computer he comes up and he just scratches my leg or he puts his paw on it and he just looks at me and he knows that that I have coconut oil there so he asked me for that and the mom eats some as well the the Pomeranian uh, and, and she's got pretty healthy fur um, and uh, what else overall yeah they, they seem really healthy and happy so uh, I'll, uh, I'll explain it more exactly step by step uh, but uh, I mean if you google it you'll find tons of different ways to do it and uh, that the, with those ingredients it worked for me um, and they're eating it they're enjoying it so oh and also uh, a broth uh, chicken broth I pour a packet of uh, chicken broth in there the liquid one that has like sea salt and celery and a bunch of stuff even though there's no chunks I guess it was boiled in it to make it or to spice to flavor it uh, and uh, whatever's in there it, it's all like organic healthy stuff uh, that's the only spices I do sprinkle a little bit of salt uh, and that's it I, I, I'm not doing the olive oil in it anymore um, but they're getting the butter and the coconut oil when they bug me. So, um, so yeah, thanks for making it this far again. It's a um, nice hour and 20-minute one, um, almost. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening to this. Hopefully it wasn't too boring or preachy. And uh, I'll keep learning and uh, I'll tell you guys about it. Thanks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.